It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's Eric Levy. Well, good morning and welcome to our Monday edition of Daily Thunder. This is going to be a special series uh, this week that I'm going to go through, at least the first three days, and it's going to be on prayer which is a typical way that we will start our uh, semester training. So for those of you that are uh, streaming or getting this via podcast, uh, uh, we have a new semester that just arrived. On Saturday night, we had our banquet, and that was pretty special. Uh, I don't know, what was the most special part of the banquet? Was it dressing up? Was it being escorted? The girls just loved being escorted to their tables, I'm sure. Uh, it could have been the dessert, but the meal was, was pretty extraordinary, too. So, I don't know, there was a lot. And, uh, but we got to talk about an Irish elk, which is always stirring. But uh, yesterday was also just a, a really special day. And I just sense God already uh, doing a, a great work uh, in this group. So this is going to be a fun uh, thing to underlay that uh, because prayer is something that in our week-long training we don't get to dig into in a normal sense as much as in the longer stretch. Like if you start going into the advanced and especially the advanced where we go through devotional excellence, we're able to go a lot deeper into the art of prayer, the art of study, the art of uh, how you uh, live in relationship with Christ practically. But we're going to lay a basic foundation for all of us so that we can sort of be working together in prayer as an exercise together just to cultivate uh, the body life here. It's a very significant uh, part of how the church functions. So I'm calling this uh, the tireless ant, which is, if you heard my Sunday sermon a week ago, it was called the 69th attempt, which is a really powerful message. Uh, And this is going to take a quotation from that. And I'm going to actually use it as my title because I actually think it ranks up there. I've used two different metaphorical pictures uh, to explain prayer. And this one ranks up there as one that uh, is arguably as good. So I'm going to give you three today. And I'm going to start with the ant and the piece of corn, uh, basically. But you'll notice I have a subtitle to this, which is a study in participatory prayer. So here's the quote. Uh, Tamerlane uh, was in like the 1300s, 1400 era. He's a uh, military uh, leader, general, who was known for his tactical excellence. So he's just like brilliant military mind. And this quote, I wouldn't want you to grow up to be like Tamerlane, okay? But this quote enunciated something for my soul, which was very significant, and it it's sometimes hard to put your finger on things, truths. Have you ever had it where you get a truth and then the next day you're like, ah, what was that truth again? They're hard to hang on to sometimes. We live in a blurry world, a world where every truth seems to become a slippery bar of soap. And what we want is that clear grip. And so metaphor, allegory, uh, proverb, uh, proverb uh, what's our term? Jesus spoke in parables. Uh, parables are a grip point where we can actually take something and get a hold on it. So listen to this. I once was forced to take shelter from my enemies in a ruined building where I sat alone many hours. Desiring to divert my mind from my hopeless condition, I fixed my eyes on an ant that was carrying a grain of corn larger than itself up a high wall. I numbered the efforts it made to accomplish this object 
The grain fell 69 times to the ground, but the insect persevered in the 70th time it reached the top. This sight gave me courage at the moment, and I never forgot the lesson. Now, I just started by saying we're going to talk about prayer. What does that have to do with prayer? That's the essence of prayer right there. You see, if I'm going to give you an idea of the biblical process of engaging the heavenlies with your soul, going after the things of God, the essence of that story, even though it's spoken by some military tactician back in the 1300s that may have never accepted Christ into his life, is something that just says it. So there's this ant, and he has a burden. You know, probably one of the best ways in Christianity to articulate what it is that moves us to prayer, what moves us to serve, what moves us to share the gospel is what we could call a burden. It's a strange term because if you've never had the burden, you, it doesn't make any sense. Like, how do you know if you have a burden? Oh, you know if you have a burden. You care about something you've never cared about in your life. And it, it actually moves you. You can be moved to tears over someone's soul. And you've never even met the person before. It could be just someone in this room that tells you about the person. And suddenly you're just moved. It's like a burden is on your back. But not a burden that drives you into the dirt uh, under condemnation, but a burden that says, please carry this with me. This is on my heart. This is a burden that's on God's heart. And he's saying, would you carry it with me? And so this grain of corn in this story, it's like way out here on the dirt floor. And there's this high wall. And this ant gets assigned it. And it's sort of like you and I. It's an impossible burden. I mean, it's like 10 times the size of this ant. And that's the way it is for us. What we've been assigned to do is so much bigger than we are. And yet God says, would you lift that? They're like, how could I lift that? I'll help you. And so we start carrying this burden. And then we start climbing up the wall. And we get about three quarters of the way. And the burden phew, falls all the way to the ground and lands right where we started. So what does the ant do? Goes all the way down, goes, picks it back up, and goes back up. You know, when you start carrying a burden in prayer, it is very easy to give up. Because it would seem that the very thing you're praying for, it's the grain of corn's even further from the high wall. It bounced, you know, to do even further away than when you started. It's actually very normal. It's very normal. Remember Lazarus? You know, Jesus gives him a promise and says, this sickness will not end in death. And then Jesus leaves town. And you can just see Mary, Martha, and Lazarus holding on in faith. And what's the first thing that happens? Lazarus gets worse. In fact, not just worse, he dies. Okay, wait a minute. I thought the promise was this sickness would not end in death. Okay, do you understand why that would be a little disconcerting? And yet, in the Christian faith, we need to recognize that God never lies. If God says, I will help you get that burden to that high wall, can you trust him? Even if that grain goes doom, 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 69 times. Oh, that's exhausting. Welcome to the Christian life. The Christian life is one of perseverance. We get an assignment, and then we do it. And if it looks like we're failing, we continue. And if it looks like all hell is standing against us and there's no possible way that we could actually see this actually happen in this real world, we continue. We persist. We persevere. We are importunate is the old-timey term for it. We will not relent. Christianity. So, if we're going to talk about prayer, it's important that you catch that. Because what you've been assigned to, I'm not telling you it's easy. 
sort of like if we were a, a bunch of troops in here, we're the Doolittle Raiders, and we're uh, after Pearl Harbor, we're going to go and drop some bombs on Japan. And what are we told? It's very likely that none of you will return home. And we're like, oh, but if any of you are scared right now, you, there's the door, and you can step out. It's funny how none of them left. It's really awkward when you're a soldier and you hear that because you're not going to be the one guy that gets up and goes, I'm not doing this. There's a little group pressure in that situation. But it's very unlikely that you're going to return home because they have to leave from a, you know, some aircraft carrier way out uh, from, the, from Japan so they're not picked up on radar, right? They need to sneak in, drop their bombs, and then somehow make it to China. And most of the planes, I mean, they're gonna, they don't even know if the fuel's going to last all the way. And so it's, I mean, everything has to go perfect. If they get more wind resistance than they're expecting, they're going to be over the ocean. Uh, and so they're likely not going to make it. And that's, that's saying that any anti-aircraft gun from Japan doesn't take them out. This is, this is a dangerous mission. Welcome to Christianity, guys. Do you recognize that we are standing against the kingdom of darkness when we side with Jesus Christ? But he has given us weapons. Weapons of warfare that we might pull down enemy strongholds. But in the process, he does not assure us that this physical body will not fade away. But he does assure us we will have success. When we listen to him and we heed his way, there is victory every single time. But we must labor in agreement with him. Prayer is our key labor as Christians. There are other labors that I could mention, but this is a foundational labor. It is a labor before the other labors. If you're not praying, your preaching will fall short. It will be powerless. If you are not praying, your evangelism will fall short. If you are not praying, your service will be empty. Prayer is the fuel behind all the other actions. When someone is praying, revival is going to be unfolding somewhere in the world. See, any one soul that is being awakened, it's because a saint is in agreement with God and is praying. Praying is a very significant function in the church of Jesus Christ. So what is prayer? Well, to answer that question, I'm going to say first what it is not. It is not contemplative, contemplative, sorry, mindlessness. Have you ever heard of contemplative prayer? So it's like, clear your mind. Don't think about anything. And just, there, there you go. Is your mind clear? Okay, get in the lotus position. All right, there you are. There you are. Now hold that. All right, there we go. Now that's prayer. That is not prayer. Okay, that's some new age ridiculousness. That actually isn't what prayer is. Prayer is active mind labor. We are meditating upon truth, holding God to it, repeating what he has promised. We are actively engaged with truth. We are not brainless in that position. The devil loves to get you brainless. Yeah, empty your mind so that you can fill it, oh devil? That's exactly right. In other words, we don't ever set down our weapons. We are engaged in battle. We do not go, oh, devil, whatever you want to do, I'm going to open myself up to whatever you desire. Uh-uh. Contemplative mindlessness, not prayer. It's not spiritual therapy. I just want you to go home and spend a little time praying. Okay, what's that going to do? I, we don't know, but it seems to be good. Sort of like an apple a day keeps uh, the doctor away. Well, a prayer a day sort of keeps the devil away, and so we just do it. We don't know what it does, but we do it. Okay, a lot of people think of prayer as just some kind of ridiculous exercise that God forces us to do, and if we don't do it, then bad things happen. But if we do do it, 
I guess things go better. We can't really measure it, but it's, it's there. It's some kind of good thing that we do. It's not spiritual therapy. It's not merely dinnertime gratitude. For some of us, that's what prayer is. It's just like, don't, don't eat, don't eat. We haven't blessed the food. Have you ever, ever thought about that? It's like, that's a weird statement. How did it become a blessing of the food? Lord, bless this food. And God's like, huh, what, food? Oh, yeah, I better put my blessing upon it. It does this little fairy dust on it and makes it healthy. Uh, that isn't actually what prayer is. Now, I'm not against us being grateful. I think being grateful is part of the honor and respect of man to God. And so therefore, when God gives you something, I think you should be thankful. So giving thanks makes a little more sense than blessing food, if that makes sense. Now, if it was poison, I don't blame you for praying over it, okay? However, gratefulness and thankfulness is an attribute of the Christian life, which is actually distinct from prayer. Prayer is an action and a function of the soul, which, of course, can include thanksgiving. But thanksgiving is an ingredient. It is not the essence of what prayer is. Prayer is after something. Prayer is given to us. It's an assignment of the soul, and God says, look, I have opened up a channel. I have opened up a way for you to engage again with your heavenly Father. I have brought you near by the shed blood of, of Jesus so that you can make petitions known so that something can happen. What is that something? So now let's look at what prayer is. So I'm going to give an answer to that in, in a strange way. I mean, this is, we, we know this. This is the model prayer. In this manner, therefore pray. So this is what's called the Lord's Prayer, but that really doesn't always help us pray. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, oh yeah, there's the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, I memorized that. It still doesn't help me know how to pray. So I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to focus on one specific line in it, which is a key. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I don't know if you now are an expert in how to pray. I mean, that's literally the Lord Jesus Christ showing us the manner of prayer. But it's, it's interesting how that doesn't really help us because it's showing us a pattern but there's more to it than just this pattern. So some people just pray that over and over and over again. That's just what they pray because they feel like anything outside of that is not the manner of prayer. So this is the line I want to lift out, sort of bring a highlighter pen to. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is on the cross and he says something. He says, it is finished. Now, let's pause right there. We believe it is finished because Jesus said it is finished, right? I mean, that's good enough for us. But then we look around this world and we're like, <clears throat> sure doesn't look finished. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, no offense. I'm not, I'm not negating what you said because I believe it. But something seems to be a little off down here because you crushed the head of the serpent, but he seems to be wriggling about down here. He still seems to be like in control, no offense, but something doesn't seem to have been accomplished even though you said it was. Okay, do you follow me? That's just observation. Something's wrong down here. So let me explain something. It is finished in heaven. What was needed to be accomplished was accomplished by Jesus Christ. It is not finished on earth. Do you see the distinction? 
You see, when you think that it's finished down here, you get really confused. It's like, wait a minute, uh, something's not right down here. That's right, it's not right. It is better for you that I go to be with the Father so that I can send the Holy Spirit. You see, we are the chosen vehicles to bring about the change here, which is really weird. I mean, come on, God, you could do that better than that. Don't choose us for that. And yet he goes, ascends to the right hand of the Father. Now, I haven't taught you this, but as we progress, I'll be asking you the question, what's your position? Now, if you've heard sermons, you've heard the audience shout back, in Christ! It's because it's a very, very important thing for you to know. Because where he is, you are. Your spirit man is in him. And nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So where is he seated? At the right hand of majesty. He is at the Father's side. And he says, I've brought you here so that you can pray. You can pray in my name, in Christ. You can pray to the Father. So that down here in this earthen realm, in these bodies, you can see that finished work come down here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what you're seeing is the manner of prayer. Prayer, I'm going to give you just a quick enunciation of it. It's this other realm up here, I'm not going to put it above us because that's the way we all think. Hell's down there, heaven's up here, right? So, but we can't see it with our natural eyes. There's this other realm, and it's the kingdom of heaven. And down here, we're not seeing the kingdom of heaven. We're seeing the kingdom of darkness. What's wrong? Except God has given a portal to be able to take a glimpse into that unseen realm. And guess what the portal is? us the church so we the church are given eyesight spiritualized to see something the promises of god the finished work of the cross and by faith we see it i see it don't you don't you see it up there he's done it guys he's accomplished it he's made a way not just for me but for you and not just for us but for them Anyone who would humble themselves, repent, and believe will actually be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the dear Son. There is light. It's bright. It's glorious. Oh, is he beautiful. I see it. Do you see it? Not with natural eyes. With spiritual eyes of faith. I behold the living God. I behold his work on the cross. So then, with this faith, what do I do? He says, so I take, and this is my first metaphor I'm going to give you. I take a grappling hook. You ever seen a grappling hook? It's like this metal claw-like thing. And it's on the end of a long rope. So he hands it to me. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? He says, go after what you see and bring it to this earth. Okay. Whew, whew. This is prayer. I'm showing you prayer right now. I see it with my spiritual eyes because God has revealed it to me in and through his word. And I believe it. I believe that he has done that and he desires that to come here. So what am I supposed to do? Just go, oh, that would be nice. No, I'm supposed to ask for it. I'm supposed to pursue it. I'm supposed to reach up into the heavenlies and yank it down. That's prayer. What am I going after? The promises. What he has declared. And I grab a hold of it. I got a good grip on it, guys. Now I start pulling. Now, here's what shocks many of us. It doesn't just come down with one pull. And that's where it 
actually throws many of us off. You see, we're not built for persistence. So as, and we're not trained for persistence because we're trained for dinnertime prayer. Could you imagine if you had to pray 70 times for your, prayer to, for your food to be blessed at night? It's like, I don't think that's enough. I think it's still poison. And you lay hands on your food every time. That would be exhausting. See, we're not prepared. We're pre- we're, we think, I pray once, and it should happen. If it doesn't happen, that's because God didn't want to do it. That's literally how we think. And so as a result, even though this natural realm is boasting the power of the devil, we're like, I guess that's the way God wants it. And so we're not even fighting. We're not even praying for it. We've accepted defeat. Instead of saying, God, what I see in the heavenly realms and what I see in your word is very different than what I'm seeing down here. I see a weakened church that is in compromise and accepting defeat. God, why am I so disturbed by this? I see that you want to do something in the church. I see that you want to revive it. You want to resuscitate it. So what do I do? Just stare at the fact, begrudge it, bemoan it, get irritated over it? Or do I do what God has assigned me to do? The reason I'm seeing it is so that I can pray. The reason he gives me a burden for a lost soul is so that I can pray. The reason I have a burden for someone else in the body of Christ that might be struggling, and I'm like, wow, I really feel bad for them. Okay, what are you going to do with that, Eric? Why do you have that burden? So that you can act. You see, we, you will not have a burden for every single individual soul on planet Earth, but you will have burdens. So when you do, you recognize that God is saying, act. Remember the grappling hook? I want you to take that and loft it into the heavenlies and grab a hold of what you know I want to do in their life, what I have accomplished on the cross for them. Now, pull. How many times do you pull? Once? Twice? Pull. Keep pulling. Pull, pull. You know, most people give up after around three to four pulls. And most people even think after three to four pulls that they have really persevered. It's like, I've really been praying for this thing. No, you've just begun. You know that there's a prayer that has been prayed for 2,000 years that has not yet been answered? It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. The Holy Spirit has been praying for 2,000 years. Isn't that a weird thought? The Holy Spirit has been praying and it hasn't happened. Do you think he should give up? Do you think the bride of Christ should just say, you know what, he's not coming, obviously. Or do you think we should say, I know he's coming and all of us grab the rope and we say, come Lord Jesus. See, that's what he is desiring. The Spirit of God has a burden and if he moves inside of us, what does he start to do? He gives us his burden. What does he want to do in this world? That's what we begin to do. And he prays. He is laboring. He is making requests based on the shed blood of Jesus for something to happen in this earth. It is finished in heaven. But it's not finished down here. And we as the church of Jesus Christ are the chosen vehicles to carry out his burden in the earth. Woo! If you've ever watched uh, Lord of the Rings, again, I'm not trying to promote Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. I don't know why I mentioned them, right? However, most people would say that's an epic movie. I mean, it has orcs. It has, you know, elves. It's, I mean, it's quite dramatic, right? And it's, it's epic. That's, that's the term. You know, all they're trying to do is stick a ring in a volcano. 
You know what we are called to is so much more grand than Lord of the Rings? We are literally commissioned, though we be little hairy-footed hobbits, we are commissioned to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth in all of its glory. We are called to tug down the new Jerusalem. We are literally bringing in the kingdom of God to this earth. Rather epic, you have to admit. That's pretty uh, grandiose for us little hairy-footed hobbits because we're rather pathetic, weak creatures, aren't we? And yet he said, they're the ones that are gonna participate in this. Us? Yeah, you. Prayer. So what prayer is? So we have multiple pictures of it in the Bible, and I'm just gonna give it, because this is supposed to be a short message, ironically. I'm already probably supposed to be done by now so that we actually could pray. The importunate neighbor. When I say the word importunate, it's like another word for persistence and, and perseverance, okay? It's one that will not give up but keeps coming, okay? This is the nature that Jesus himself associates with prayer. So he gives this story of this neighbor who, you know, so there's two, two characters. They live next to each other, and one has someone visiting, and he needs bread because he needs to be hospitable. I mean, this is a big deal in this culture. And so he knows someone who has bread. It's his neighbor. So he goes, and it's late at night, and his neighbor is already asleep and in bed with his family, which is sort of strange, I have to admit. You know, I, I picture this one bed and, like, ten kids on top of the parents, and it's like, okay, you, you might want to get more beds. But so he comes over, and he starts knocking. Kink, kink. Kink, kink, kink. There's no response. And you know what it's like. You know, my family has gone into the basement uh, on like Halloween and hidden, you know, turned off all the lights. Like, oh boy, I don't want to deal with that tonight. And you know, so someone's like ringing the doorbell and you're like, okay, no one move. No, no, don't turn on that light. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, there we are. Okay, that's what this guy's doing. He's like, no, no, don't move. Okay, they'll go away. Kink, 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 kink. The guy's not going away. Kink, 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 kink. Now, for most of us, if no one's answering, how long do you keep knocking? Here's my question for you. It depends. It depends on how desperate you are, and it depends on if you actually believe the guy's in there. You see, we're li- God's, Jesus is likening this to God. He says, you know he's there. So even though it may appear that he's non-responsive, even though it may appear that he's not interested, if you believe that he is the only source of rescue for you, do not relent. Do not stop knocking. King, 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 king. I've had prayer times where I literally will do that. King, 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 king. I said, God, this is irritating me. It has to be irritating you. Because I have nowhere else to go, and I desperately need you to intervene in this situation. King, 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 king. Even the sound king, king is very awkwardly annoying, right? And yet this is God himself giving us an illustration. The neighbor is maybe not even a godly person. God is, and God desires to answer, so do not be bluffed in this situation. If it appears that he is ignoring you, keep pressing. Even though you've pulled on that rope, even though you've knocked on that door who knows how many times, keep knocking, keep pulling. The persistent widow is another illustration that Jesus gives. There's an unjust judge. She has a case, and so she keeps coming before the judge. I always picture her yanking on his shirt sleeve. 
please judge, please judge, please judge, please judge, please judge, please just get this lady out of here. Please judge, please judge, please judge. This is irritating you. <laughs> and even the unjust judge will eventually say, that's enough. All right, what do you need? How can I get you out of here? And Jesus says, like that, don't relent. So remember the ants and the, and the corn? You see, how many times do you go up and it falls if you know that God has given you that burden? Keep going. So the rope pull, you pull, and you pull, and you pull, and you pull. And then you pull, and you pull, and you pull, and you pull, and you pull. And then you pull, and 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 you pull. And you pull, 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 and you pull. I could keep going, and you know it. There is not a point where we go, okay, I guess it's time for me to let go. God, in any way that he desires, can show us that our pulling is done and accomplished. He can. He can relieve the burden when he wants. However, if the burden is there, you pull. The shovel scoop. This is another illustration that's been very important for me. Now, let's imagine that uh, this, gra- this floor is not here, but this is dirt right here. It's not concrete or something like that underneath our feet. It's dirt. And then God gives us a promise. He says, beneath your feet is a treasure chest. It's packed full of jewels. And then he throws to you a shovel. What would you do? It's funny, I asked a group of kids that. Every single one of them said the same thing. They would dig. Isn't that funny? That little kids know what to do. Without any arm twisted, without over-spiritualizing, saying, yeah, and God commands you to dig. You don't need to say that. He gives you a promise, and he gives you the tools. Go at it. See, we know what to do. The problem is it means sweat labor. You see, to dig, if you've ever dug a hole, I mean, that's that's hard work. Mm -hmm. Prayer is hard work. And here's what's interesting. He doesn't tell you how deep it is. He just says it's beneath your feet. Classic God, right there. And so most of us presume that, what, one to three shovelfuls, and you'll be like, kink, kink, found it. Instead, it doesn't always work that way. And so in my life, I have a whole bunch of holes you know where you see dirt coming out of them? Some of them I've been digging for 30, 35 years. I mean, literally, I've still not seen God do it in the natural realm yet. However, there's other things that I have found after years of digging. My love story with Leslie is, it was such a unique, profound statement to a generation because I had so many people around me that were concerned about me. It's like, Eric, you really need a girlfriend. I'm trusting God. I believe God is better at matchmaking my life than I would be. And so I'm going to, just like Adam, I'm going to fall asleep until God wants to wake me up. It sounded so ridiculous to everyone. Believe me, I live in the same culture you do, right? I know how dumb it sounded. And you know, I got accused of all sorts of things that I wasn't too excited about being accused of. And finally, you know what God did? He did something so dramatic in our generation that everyone was like, whoa, so there, I, suddenly I'm in this deep hole. I'm like, kink, kink, found it. And everyone's like, whoa. And you know what the next thing they said is? Well, you're the rare one. You're probably the one in the generation that that would happen to. See, that's always the response to justify why we've all set down our shovels. You see, most of us set down our shovel. We know to keep going. We know what God has given us a vision for, but we set down the shovel. 
There's whole support groups for like three to four shovelful Christians. And they're like hugging each other. And they're like, oh, I, I did it four times and I didn't find it. And someone else is like, I did it five. And they all go, oh. And they hug each other. I want to come into those support groups and break it up. Break it up. Pick up your shovel and keep going. God cannot lie. If God has promised you that there is a treasure, there's a treasure. Go after it. He is faithful and true. You must persist. So then, of course, we have the ant, the corn, and the high wall. How many times should that ant keep going? Well, until he gets it up the wall. How many shovelfuls will it take? Or until you should give up? Well, until you actually reach the treasure. How long should you pull on that rope? Until that which is in heaven comes to this earth. There is not a point when you relent, that you give up. You know that I have accepted the fact that there are certain things I'm fighting for that my children may continue to fight for. I've accepted that fact. It could be multi-generational. And that I simply would say, if the Holy Spirit has been doing this for 2,000 years, saying, come Lord Jesus, come, I think it's okay that in my generation not everything has to happen, but I want to train my children to continue it. You see, when you have that long mentality, towards life, it actually really helps you in your prayer life as opposed to feeling like it has to happen today otherwise God's not faithful to his word. That's not true. That's not what the Bible even teaches. So therefore, I need to set myself to labor. I need to set myself to pray. The recipe for the impossible for God not to answer prayer. Well, I'm giving you a gem here, guys. I mean, your entire tuition is, I mean, this could be worth it right here. I mean, because I'm gonna give you the recipe for a prayer that God has to answer. Isn't that a fun thought? I mean, this is literally the, the ultimate prayer. Okay, there's four attributes to this prayer. Praying God prayers instead of man prayers is the first part. Okay, now that sounds funny because you're like, uh, what's a God prayer, what's a man prayer? When you sit down to pray, or you know, when I pray, I walk. I don't, I don't know how other people do. Some people can kneel, and I have kneeled many times in prayer. But for me, I find that when I... I'm sitting, when I pray and pray in bed, that's the worst, okay? I'm like, oh boy, I've never been so tired in my life as when I'm in bed trying to pray. And so I have to move. And I learned this early in my Christian walk that when I move or I pace, I'll actually walk around my neighborhood a lot of times, and when I move, my brain sharpens and I'm more clear. Now that's me. It's because I've studied me. Some people actually are distracted when they walk. And so I would say, you need to know what helps you focus and stay alert and stay awake because that's the whole point of this. So I, I had this whole season in my life where I was trying to pray during the watches of the night. I'm a young, zealous Christian. So the watches, what is it, like midnight, three, six, and nine. And so I set my alarm for midnight, three in the morning, six in the morning, and then I was usually up before nine. But, uh, and then I would pray. So it was like three in the morning, Ah, and I, I get out of bed and I kneel down. Oh, the worst thing you could do at three in the morning when you're coming out of a dead sleep is to kneel. And the next thing you know, oh, I don't know, about an hour later, I wake up uh, from my prayer and I have, you know, drool all over my uh, sheets. And it's like, okay, that didn't work, but I felt very spiritual. I was praying in the, I was watchful in the night. So, uh, but what you oftentimes do when you go into a time of prayer is you brainstorm what you should pray. It's like, well, I'm, praying. I'm here to pray, God, so let's see. What could I pray for? And you think of your own life, right? You're like, okay, I got a test later today. Oh, I have this one situation. I'm short on cash over here. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't care about those things. He actually really does. He cares about 
all the granular details of your life, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. To not presume how you should pray, but to allow the Spirit of God to lead you in your praying. Now, there's certain things that I will write down and create what I call a sacred list, or less than I call it a sacred list, and it's the things that God has assigned us. They're prayer points that God gives us. They're not ones that we just brainstorm. They're things like God wants us to fight for this. And they can be family ones. They can be marriage ones. They can be individual life ones. But they're also, God expands out of that to show us the church, to show us our community, to show us our government. And he gives us burdens and then we write those down and we will hit them and hit them and hit them over and over and over again. But when you pray a God prayer, a God prayer is one that God is inspiring he answers those prayers. When we come up with our own, like, God, I'm going to ask for a million dollars. Okay, that, now, I'm not saying that God won't uh, want to bless you financially, because God does take care of his children. He supplies for what they need. But you know the source of that prayer. That's self. You desire something for yourself. God wants to care for you, but he wants you to turn your gaze off of you to him. And when you do, your prayers will change. They're no longer, hey, God, can I have a Ferrari and a million dollars? Now it suddenly is, God, I want you to work through me. I want that person to be impacted with the gospel. And there are points in time when you will pray about your finances, but not so that you would just be wealthy, but so that God would enable you to do the work of his kingdom. It's a big difference between the two. To say, God, underwrite what I need so that I can focus on giving this work as opposed to God make me fat and happy in this life. Very different mentality. God prayers is instead of man prayers. Praying in faith. You see, when you pray, there is a golden key, and that is faith. Now, I'm going to talk about faith today. That's what we're going to train in today, so you understand what this means. But if you pray a God prayer in faith, guaranteed. Slam dunk is what you have. Okay, now faith is assurance. It is a knowing that God is who he is and what he says he will do, he will do. So you don't come in and go, God, I just hope that you will do this. You know he does what he says he will do. It's a disposition. I'm gonna talk about that today. That's actually how we're gonna start uh, our training uh, today and I think you guys will really enjoy that. Three, this is what we've been talking about up to this point, praying with perseverance. So when you have a God prayer and you pray it with faith, now keep going. Keep going, guys. Don't stop. I don't care what resistance you're running into. I don't care if it looks like the opposite is happening in this world. You're being tried in your faith. Keep going. Keep persisting. And finally, pray with purity. So purity in the most basic sense here is that as you're going along, the devil wants to soil your soul. He wants to compromise you, to take you off your game. Okay, so what he wants to do is sabotage you. He sees that, uh-oh, they have a God prayer. Uh-oh, they have faith. Oh, no, they're dedicated. So what he wants to do is compromise you. Okay, so compromise that is, non, that is unrepented of, that we begin to self-justify, actually hinders our ability to relate to our Heavenly Father. So as a result, and we'll go through these in different ways, and you'll recognize what Scripture says about these things, but what I'm giving you is the recipe for the impossible for God not to answer prayer. I'm not saying you need to be perfect. I'm saying when you know, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, just make it right. And as you stay clean before God, it's amazing. When you pray God prayers in faith with perseverance, heaven opens. 
you're going to see the power of God impact this world. I've had seasons. If you've ever read my book, Wrestling Prayer, that was a season. It was almost like a test. Okay, God, we've always, Leslie and I have always believed in prayer. However, we've never made it the priority of our life. So what would happen if we made it the priority of our life? So we had, for a whole season, I don't know, it was like a year and a half, we spent three hours a day praying. And this is when we were, had young kids, when, when Hudson was just born. I mean, this is like an intense season. We're like dedicated to doing it. And you know what came out of it? Ellerslie. This campus, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to buy a college campus with no money. <laughs> In other words, what we have seen God do is extraordinary. But where did it come from? It came from a burden, and it came from prayer. But not just any prayer, wrestling prayer. If I told you the story of the campus, which maybe, I don't know if in the one week I'll be able to, but it's, it's quite the dramatic story that had denial, it had failure, it had so many times where it looked like I was hitting, my prayers were hitting a, a, a steel ceiling. It's like, boy, God, have you heard anything I've been praying? I thought you gave me a burden for this. I mean, someone else swooped in right when we finally had the deal. Someone else, we had a handshake deal. Someone swoops in with a formal deal while we're on vacation in California. And we get a call from the, uh, the president of the college that was here before us. Like, uh, yeah, I just wanted to let you know that someone actually made a formal offer, and we're going to be uh, approving that as a board uh, early in the morning tomorrow. Wait, wait, wait a minute here. When I left, we actually had a deal. We had a deal. We had a handshake on it. He goes, I know, but uh, actually a, a, a formal uh, submitted uh, proposal actually trumps a handshake. Hey, well, as a, as a Christian to Christian, actually, uh, I look at that different. And, but I mean, literally we lost the campus. So here I've been praying for, at that time it was around 15 years. And to have that type of denial was a weird thing to go through in my spiritual life. It's like right there, I'm right there at the top with my grain of corn. Oh, finally, after 69 and 10, boom, 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 boom. And it seemed further away than it ever had. You know how hard it was to go back down that wall, go all the way over to that grain of corn, pick it up again and go back up. However, I have watched God prove himself faithful time and again. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.